Okay, good morning. So glad to see all of you here. Uh, hello to those that's online. Uh, glad that you are worshipping together with us this morning. So uh, it's really uh, a privilege and great joy to be able to preach on-site to all of you. Uh, turn to your neighbour and say, I'm so glad to see him here. Okay, last week we explored this topic on arrangement around the ten of meeting and we learned three aspects of God. Uh, first of all, uh, a little bit of recap for us. We learned from last week that God is a God of order and peace. Then we also learned about God as the God of holiness and wrath. And then the last point we learned last week was regarding God is the one that reshuffles position and authority. Now, as the uh, Israelites move from point A to point B, they need to be organized in an orderly manner in order to maximize the mobility and also the efficiency. Every tribe knows their placing and order so that they avoid unnecessary frustration and confusion and everyone can move together, aligned towards the direction. We learned also last week that the tribe of Levi was chosen as the in-between of the holy God and his people uh, because we know that the people are sinful people rebellious from their history and yet we learn that God loved them so much. So the Levi was chosen as an in-between uh, of God and his people and we learn that God is an amazing God in the way that he does things. Today what we're going to do is this, we're going to zoom into details, the tribe of the Levites, the in-between or the protective bearer between God and His people. And as we explore chapter 3 and also chapter 4 uh, today, uh, you will, and I, I will really need to encourage you and challenge you to go back and read because it's such a large chunk of uh, Scripture, right? When we look through chapter 3 and chapter 4, we will see some details like this. Uh, details like the family of Aaron being anointed, being appointed or ordained to priesthood. That's where we see in verse 1 to 4 in chapter 3. Then we will also de see details like the Levite given to Aaron and his son as assistance to the work, the holy work that God has prepared for them. They are to perform duty and assistance to Aaron and his son and also for the community. And from this Levites, we will learn from details in chapter 3 and chapter 4 that from different families of the different sons of Levi, uh, they will be given certain responsibility, certain job scope for the tent of meeting. We again see details like the numbering of the Levites from one month old every male, and also the numbering of the firstborn of, the, uh, of Israel from one month old onwards. A lot of details. We will then also see from the screen here that they are given various positions. The Levites, uh, Aaron, Moses, and his son were given the east side. Then, uh, some of them are given the west side, the north side, and the south side in that sense. And we will also see details of the numblings of all this uh, tribe from 30-year-old to 50-year-old. And 
what job scope they are given in the tent of meeting. You know, as we look at all these details, and I encourage you to go back to read, um, out of these details, I hope today that I can highlight the importance of preparation in our service to the Lord. Preparation in our service to the Lord. Therefore, I entitled my message, The Life and Death Preparation of the Levites in the Camp. And allow me, first of all, to give the context of why I am uh, scoping it in such a way. The context is this. If we read Numbers chapter 1, verse 1, the instruction of the Lord is this. The Lord spoke to Moses in the wilderness of Sinai, in the tent of meeting, on the first, notice this, first of the second month, in the second year, after they come out of the land of Egypt, saying, and then we read all the instruction. But after all this instruction from chapter 1 to chapter 10, when we reach chapter 10, verse 11 to 12, you will realize this. Now, in the second year, in the second month, on the, on the 20th of the month, 20 days later, the cloud was lifted from over the tabernacle of the testimony and then the Israelite journey onwards. What's my point here? You know, chapter 2, chapter, four, chapter two that I preached last week, chapter 3, chapter 4 that I'm going to uh, share this morning, is in the context of preparation for the movement of war and, confet, uh, and con conquest. They are moving from point A to point B. Uh, they are moving onwards towards certain direction. And here God is speaking and giving instruction and command in preparation of what they are supposed to do. It is war arrangement and movement. And in chapter 3 and chapter 4, it is critical for them to know how the Levites and the priests operate. Why is it so? Because the Levites and the priests provide critical support for war to ensure that they are fit for war before they fight one another. Why, why do I say this? Because, you see, the, the Levites, the priests, they are like the support, the heart towards the whole tribe. Why is it so? Because the presence of God is holy, is powerful. Yes, it will help them win the war. God will fight for them. But yet God is also a holy God in the midst of the sinful people. Therefore, their support of making sure that the, the presence of God, the wrath of God, the holiness of God do not consume the people is very important. If they don't do that support, work that is critical and necessary, even before the, the Israelites go for war, they would have already been consumed by God. So that's why I say that in terms of today's lesson, as we look at the preparation work of the Levites, it is life and death. If they don't do it properly, their support will be critical and, and it will mean life and death to the whole Israel life. So it is important, life and death preparation for them. And likewise for us in our worship, in our love, in our service of God, it is also a matter of life and death. When we perform well, when we do our job well, when we worship well, we bring the presence of God, not just to us, but to those surrounding us, but also 
to our community. So in this context, when God is speaking, He's preparing His people for conquest, for war, and it is critical. It is important that the Levites know what they are doing. Therefore, I entitled my message, Life and Death Preparation of the Levites in the Camp. And my outline will be this, to help us go through uh, the, the structure. From verse 1 to 4, it talks about the warning regarding the holy work. Verse 5 to 16, we're going to talk about the support to this holy work. And the rest of the uh, scripture, we will talk about the coordination of the holy work. Okay, so let me just move on to point one. The warnings regarding the holy work. Here we have in verse 1 to 4, uh, and also verse 10, whereby Aaron and his son were ordained as priests for the work of the tabernacle, the tent of meeting. Verse 1, Now these are the record of the generation of Aaron and Moses at the time when the Lord spoke to Moses in Mount Sinai. And these are the names of the son of Aaron, Nadab, the firstborn, Abihu, Eliezer, Aitama, and these are the names of the son of Aaron, the anointed priest whom he ordained to serve as priest. But Nadab and Abihu, this is the warning, died before the Lord when they offer strange fire, fire, the, the, the method that God did not prescribe. They offer strange fire before the Lord in the wilderness of Sinai, and they had no children. So Eliezer and Atama served as priests in the lifetime of their father Aaron. And verse 10, So you shall appoint Aaron and his son, that they may keep the priesthood. But the layman who comes near shall be put to death. From verse 1 to 4 and also verse 10, we have this record that Aaron and his son was appointed and anointed or ordained to serve as priests. They should serve God according to the prescribed way that God has instructed. And any ways and any methods that is outside of God's prescribed method is considered strange. That's why here we have a warning here, example of the two sons of Aaron, whereby they prescribe or they offer to God strange fire, you know, the way that they like it. And what we can reference to is in Leviticus chapter 10, whereby Nadab and Abihu, when they offer God strange fire, the fire of God came down and consumed them. That's it. The holiness of God. So it's a warning here. It's a privilege, really indeed, to be able to serve God, the Almighty God, but it is also a heavy responsibility, brothers and sisters, that can result life and death. The example of Nadab and Abihu is that it's a warning to us and warning to those at that point of time also that those that are not ordained, those that are not chosen, and those who are careless in their approach in the holy work, they will be struck dead. It's a matter of life 
and death. And the priests better know what they are doing. Uh, These chapters that we are looking at has some reference later on to Numbers chapter 16. So you may want to take note of that. Numbers 16 whereby Kohat rebelled against the order. So here what I'm trying to say is this. They are being ordained. It serves as a warning to the community and say this is God's prescribed way. Don't you know, don't be smart. You know, don't go out of the prescribed way. If not, it is life and death. And can you imagine this? Uh, the, the plague break out or maybe the wrath of God is trying to consume the people of which we will see it in Numbers 16. I'm not going to elaborate on that because there's someone that's going to preach that. Imagine this in that scenario if the priests do not know what to do. I mean, do not provide that so-called quote-unquote support to, to bring or to contain the holiness and the wrath of God uh, in control. The whole Israelite will be wiped out. So it's important here that we know that we must prepare well according to the prescribed order of the Lord. I think this is a warning not just for those serving as priests in their holy work. It is also a warning for those whom God did not appoint or ordain as priests. The priesthood here is reserved for Aaron and his son, and no one else must covet it. And I see also here in this passage that God has said it in such a way that there will be orderliness in the camp there will not be internal conflict. There will be no one that's trying to usurp the authority that was given by God, of which sadly later on, if you look at Numbers 16, that happened. But coming back to the point here, there's great responsibility here on the priesthood to ensure that God in the midst of the people that are sinful and rebellious can continue to be their God without consuming them. It is something that we need to note. And based on this point, some of my reflection and some of the application that I want to encourage all of us to take is this, is to ask this question, how are our heart's preparation, our attitude, our outward action in our worship and service of God? How about this aspect of holiness and preparation that we have? What is our preparation? How do we deem uh, that kind of service and our worship of God? Are we careless? Or if we are careless like the first two sons of Aaron, it's life and death. You know, this morning as I'm worshipping there, I, I just want to elaborate. I feel that I need to elaborate on this concept of holiness a bit. When we talk about holiness, you know, uh, holiness can be simplified according to me, but of course there's many expect. But it can be simplified to this word called reserve. It is reserve. It is reserved for the Lord. For example, right, when you go, want to go to a restaurant, what happens is this, you go to a restaurant. Before you go to that restaurant that's very popular, what do you do? You call them and say, hey, can I reserve the table of uh, five person? Uh, 
during lunchtime from 12. Then the restaurant uh, person, uh, the receptionist will actually answer, okay, sir, ma'am, I will reserve that table for you from 10 to 10.15. After 10.15, right, 10... Uh, why so early at uh, lunch? Okay, 10... 10 <laughs> okay, 10.16, you cannot have the table anymore if there's another group coming in. Okay, reservation, holiness is something like this. From this time, 10 to 10, 15, it is reserved. It is quote-unquote holy. Nobody is supposed to touch except for the one that reserve it. So in terms of us preparing and being, looking at this aspect of holiness and preparation in our service, in our worship of God, do we have this that say, this is reserved for the Lord? Anything outside cannot touch one. I mean, and anything inside cannot touch one. This is just reserved. Choke. Put the tissue there and choke the table. This is choke one. Reserved for the Lord. How is our preparation when we come to church? How is our preparation? Uh, how our preparation when we serve God? Is there a choke reserve, holy aspect of it, saying that Lord, this is yours. It is reserved for you, brothers and sisters. How's our preparation, heart preparation, and our attitude and outward action in our worship and service of God? We may not know what we are doing in our preparation. Is life and death to the one next to us? Is life and death to our community? So, in this point, I want to challenge you. You know, reflect. What is your heart attitude since there is a warning served to us here? Okay, let me just go very quickly to this. Second point that I want to elaborate is on the support for the holy work from verse 5 to 13. From verse 5 to 13, we will read details on the appointment of the Levites uh, to serve and to exist, uh, uh, to help Aaron and his son in the holy work. Uh, they become support to him for the holy work of God. They are, we also see detail on the reason for this selection of the Levites from verse 12 to 13. I'm not going to read the scripture, but I want to challenge you to go back and read in detail. Uh, why is this so? Because the work here, when we read this scripture, because the work of ensuring God's presence in the camp is tremendous, is big, is massive. Aaron cannot do it by himself. Aaron and his son cannot do it by themselves. So support needs to be given. Careful coordination needs to be done so that this so-called critical Thicker support of the whole camp of the Israelite is being ensured and they can host the very presence of God in the camp of the Israelites. So it's very important. Support is given to Aaron so that all this can be ensured and they can host the very presence of God. As we read, as I read this scripture, right, one of the thoughts is this God actually gave Aaron his best resource. Come to think about it. God gave Aaron his best resource for the son and for Aaron to perform the duty. He didn't give the second best resource. He gave the best resource. He gave the Levi who belonged to himself, who belonged to God, 
look at verse 12 and verse 13. You, there's an emphasis again to say that the Levites belong to me. They are mine. And here, what is of God, he gave his best to Aaron and his son to help them succeed or at least to help them ensure that the work is being done. What was the reason that the Levites was given instead of the firstborn of Israel? Uh, in verse 13, we will see that, uh, that that's the reason. The reason is that since God, at the point of uh, Exodus, He spared the firstborn of the Israel children and also the animal in the tenth plague, if you remember that, now he claimed that the firstborn as his possession, meaning to say he spared the firstborn of the Israelite, these are his. However, we know in history in Exodus 32, whereby the people sin and Levites actually stand together with him and Moses, they were then given that privilege. A little bit of uh, detail for all of us. Why this screen? Because later on, when we look at chapter 3, verse 39 to 51, we will see that there's a lot of numbers here. We will witness that there's this substitution of the 22273 firstborn male onwards with this 22,000 firstborn male Levites of the first month onward. And we also see that there's some uh, shackles that's involved in terms of the redemption, ransom money. Uh, and this is actually the math. One-to-one substitution. Uh, 22273 minus 22000 means 273. Then 273 times five shackles per head will give you the 1,365 shekels. That, that's how the math uh, comes about. Uh, what is this here? Here is about redemption, substitution. And take note of the scripture that is gonna, you're going to read afternoon or in the evening. Since everything belongs to God, since there's a one-to-one substitution, the Levites to 22,000 will be given to Aaron. The redemption money that makes up that 273 person, the money will also be given to Aaron. Everything in the whole substitution sum will be given to Aaron and his son. Point here, God is very detailed and God will make sure that everything that is yours, help needed that belongs to you, everything will be given to you to ensure that you will do your job and be successful. My point here is this, brothers and sisters, that God gives resource for all of us to succeed. He gives us his best. I stumbled on this quote by this author unknown and I thought that it is so meaningful to encourage all of us. And this is what I want to read to you. Um, and it says this, the will of God will never take you. When God calls you, when he will you to do something, the will of God will never take you. Where the grace of God cannot keep you, where the arms of God cannot support you, where the riches of God cannot supply your need, 
where the power of God cannot endow you. The will of God will never take you where the Spirit of God cannot work through you, where the wisdom of God cannot teach you, where the army of God cannot protect you, where the hands of God cannot mold you. The will of God will never take you where the love of God cannot enfold you, where the mercies of God cannot sustain you, where the peace of God cannot calm your fears, where the authority of God cannot overrule for you. The will of God will never take you where the comfort of God cannot dry your tears, where the word of God cannot feed you, where the miracles of God cannot be done for you, where the only presence of God cannot find you. What's my point here? The point here is this, when God calls us, when God calls you and me, He will make sure He will give that resource for us to do the job and to be successful. So here in application for us is that we should take courage and be confident when God calls us into service, when God calls us to do something. When God assigns us, we should take courage and be confident because the Lord is with us. And also with that, another question that we can ask ourselves is this, brothers and sisters, that since God has given the best to Aaron and his son, and since God also has given his best to us, Jesus Christ, what more? Should we, uh, we should be thankful, right? But the question is this, do we reciprocate His love, His best, with our best too? I mean, it's, it's a challenging question for all of us to think about. Since God, you have given us our best, how about us in giving you our service? I want to challenge all of us as we uh, launch our new year. I mean, we are in this book of numbers. Uh, not just look at ourselves as individual. Since the topic is talking about the tabernacle, the camp of the Israelite, let's look at ourselves also in review of our church work, our holy work to God, our worship, our service. When there's a call to service, when a call to contribution, a call to fill in the gap. I want to pray that we will rise up and say, Lord, let me be the one uh, since you have called us to serve you so that GEFC will host the presence of God in our community. It's critical work that we are doing. It's critical support that we are providing so that the presence of God will continue to be in our midst and give us life, give our neighbor's life and also give life to the community. But all this will need coordination of which that's where my third point is. When we talk about the coordination for the holy work of God, from verse 14 of chapter 3 to the rest of uh, chapter 4 to verse 49, here we will see a large, huge portions of a portion of details. We will see in here three different families of the son of Levi, Gershon, Kohat, Merari, assigned to different job scope, different work responsibility for the tent of meeting. 
and we will also see their position west, north, and south of the tent of meeting. And of course, what I mentioned earlier, Moses, Aaron, and son is given in the east side. This is the positioning. What happens is this, when the tent of meeting was erected in the Israelite camp, the Gershonites were responsible, responsible for the covering, the curtain, the rope, and the equipment. Okay, here is the three sort of job scope for the three uh, family group. I use NLT so that we can understand more. You know? If we read other versions, maybe a little bit hard. So what is happening here is this Gershon, the family of Gershon, the Gershonite, were responsible for the covering, the curtain. Uh, I sum it in one word. They are in charge of covering, covering. You know, that's their job scope. Then after that, we will see that the Kohat, the Kohatites were responsible for the furniture. Okay, some that word is furniture. The Ark, the furniture, the tables, the altar, and also the inner curtain. But the, the sum is, is really about furniture. They are supposed to carry the furniture. And then we see the, uh, the other tribe, Merorites, you know, that they are responsible for the frame. Okay, another keyword, they are responsible for the frame, the structuring, the frame of the tabernacle, the crossbar, the pillars, the base. So the frame, the foundation, it is in charge by them. When we look at this, all these three tribes, all these families were given specific responsibility. Special arrangements were given to them on how they are supposed to transport all these items, the holy items, as the camp moved from point A to point B. Before movement, what happens is this, the priests are to prepare various holy items for transportation. And when the, when, the, when the camp is ready to move, then there's some process here. The Kohat tights will do the carrying, but they must make sure that they don't see the ark. They must not touch the ark. If not, they will die. There's warning here. In fact, if you look at chapter 4, uh, some uh, heads up for you. Chapter 4, there's a very... Uh, there's a stress here to mention the tribe of Kohat to say they must not do certain things. If not, they will die. We must preserve them. If not, they will die. But then if we fast forward to chapter 16, actually they were the one that rebelled. God has already pre-warned. They must be careful. They must be careful. So some note for you to take. Uh, here, what happens, everyone was, was given that specific task that JD to do. And they need to coordinate in that sense. They need to make sure that there's, there's a coordination, who to do what first. The priest is supposed to cover the furniture first, then the cohort will come in and carry, then the rest will, dis, uh, dis, uh, will, will dismantle the rest of the things. So there's a process here. A lot of details, really. So when I prepare, like, wow, so many details, what to say, you know. But the, I sum it up to this. There's so many details, so many details. And unless there is proper, good coordination 
among them with the leader giving instruction, it is so hard to have that critical support work being done. And maybe also I'm thinking this with the context of uh, number 16. The reason why God has so specifically assigned certain tasks, given certain warning here, is so that there will not be competitive spirit coming up. So that in the proper coordination of work, Person A, you do this. Person B, you do this. Person C, you do this. Proper coordination. Everyone doing their own task. Nobody cross zone. Nobody try to uh, uh, lord over the other. Nobody try to say that I can do your duty better than you. With that scenario, God actually gives specific coordination so that no one else will try to be too competitive or to lot over somebody else's duty. They will not overstep into another person's duty. Instead, everyone will do their work and cause that critical support to be ensured for the rest of the ten of Israelite. What can we learn from so much details? Coordination. Assignment unnecessary to ensure that work is done efficiently and reverently. You know, there must be a spirit of codependency amongst us. Depend, to, depend on one another, support one another is critical because it's life and death. If we want to bring life to the community, life to others, we make sure that the heart, we make sure that the support is, is, is done properly so that the rest will benefit. Another thing to consider is also that, think about it, different family group is being assigned differently. Uh, we ought not to think that, oh, because you are carrying the ark, means that, wow, you are better, you know. No service for God is considered too small because why? We are all serving God. We cannot say that worship leader, wow, you sing, you know. I am there just ushering, you know. I'm the carpark attendant, you know, so I'm small. No, no service for God is considered too small because why? The person that we are serving is God. It's not another person. So, what we are assigned, what we are being coordinated of, and as we do our well, uh, do it well, it is for the glory of God. And having this attitude is good because then we will not overstep into another person's uh, boundary and say, "Hey, I'm serving the best that I can as the car park attendant." You know, shh, shh, shh. you know, hey, stop the gate. You cannot come in already. So if the uncle or whoever that's doing, put the gate down, right? He's doing his duty well for the glory of God. So you cannot be mad at him huh? if you cannot have a parking lot. Uh, turn to your neighbor and say, yeah, it's true. No service for God is considered too small. So here, in conclusion... Today we look at the detail regarding the life and death preparation of the Levites. Uh, as we look at their responsibility, 
uh, and their role, we know that it's important, it's critical for the whole camp's survival and even victory. And it's a reminder to us in GFC that our role and responsibility in this church are important and critical also as we do our part. Yeah, although today we are looking into this Old Testament passage about the Levitical uh, duty this morning, but I want to also challenge all of us that in the New Testament, we are the priesthood of believer. Lest you say that, Pastor, these are Levites, uh, these are priests. Uh, hello? In the New Testament, we are priesthood of believers. So we also ought to serve in that sense. In fact, uh, just some scripture for you to take note. If you look, note Exodus 19, verse 5 to 6. Okay, that's one passage. If you note that, um, the heartbeat of God is always to have the nation, His people, to be priests. The reason why Levi is uh, chosen is because the nation sinned and Levi took their stand with God. That's why that so-called quote-unquote priesthood is given to the Levi. But if you read the New Testament scripture, you will realize that God's heartbeat for His people to be priests has never changed. We are called in the New Testament priesthood of believer, royal priesthood. We are called to be priests before our God in Revelation. So Jesus also demonstrated himself that he is the high priest. So with that, I want to end and challenge all of us that in the New Testament, where we are right now, we can serve because we are the priesthood of believer. Let's be the in-between of God and the others. Let's serve God. Let's also serve the people. And let's remember that there is life when we prepare well, but there will be death. Someone will die spiritually, physically also, if we do not provide that critical support. May the Lord bless the word, and let me just make a quick prayer and as uh, the team comes. Lord, I thank you once again for this morning. With this message and with this pause, we ask of you, speak to us. Allow us to know once again where we are, our position, our role that we can play in the church and where you are placing us this season. So God, that in our support to one another or to the organization that we are in, Lord, that we will bring life to others, Lord. So, Lord, help us examine our hearts this morning, today, as we really want to serve you and worship you and glorify you, Lord. So, God, I just pray, let the word go forth and accomplish what you have in store for us as we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.